This is Battleground PA, a Penn Live podcast discussing the issues that matter to Pennsylvanians and documenting the events in the Keystone State and beyond that could shape how you vote in the 2024 elections. Well, hello, everyone. I'm coming to you again with a Battleground PA podcast. This is Joyce Davis. I'm Penn Live's Outreach and Opinion Editor, and I am joined by my cohorts here, my expert team of analysts, Rajette Harris, who's hailing for the Democrats, and Jeffrey Lord, who is coming up for the Republicans. Welcome, guys. How are you today? Oh, happy snow day. Happy snow day, exactly. But Jeffrey, uh, look, you're um, you're our friend, right? But you're a celebrity. <laughs> you're you're a big deal, guy. So tell me what happened this week with you and when the president, the former president, visited. What happened? Uh, well, I was uh, booked to go to the rally along with you know ten thousand of my best friends, and uh, that's fine. And I'm getting ready to go and. Uh, they said that, uh, you know, I they had a seat for me, a reserve for me, which turned out to be in the front row, which was nice. And then just as I'm getting ready to go out the door, they said, he wants to see you. <laughs> he wants oh. to see you. <laughs> okay. Uh-oh. Right. So I thought he must have gotten word from Rojette that I was misbehaving or something like that. So uh, I drove over there and they they uh, told me to look for so-and-so. A certain advanced man was going to find me and, you know, red tie, blue tie, that kind of thing. And then uh, once located, they took me to uh, the behind the stage uh, things. And there were uh, uh, curtains all set up in little individual rooms. And they had different people who were there for... Uh, you know, to say hello to him and do photographs. And I was added to a gr group that included uh, Congressman Scott Perry and Guy Reschenthaler from out in Western Pennsylvania and Dan Muser from up north. Mm. And um, so we just waited one by one and time came and I went up to him and uh, he wanted to be reminded of when my mother had passed. Oh, and I said 2018. Because he was very, you know, when I got to know him a decade ago or more, he wanted to know why I was here, as opposed to not still living in Washington. I told him I was taking care of my mother and all this. What do you mean this is the center of the universe? I don't, I don't get that question, but <laughs> right. So he said to me, "Well, uh, that tells me everything I need to know about you. Most guys ditch their mothers." <laughs> Yeah. So, so I'm watching you, Cole. You better behave. Exactly. You tell him. You tell him. But Jeffrey, really, honestly, that um, that that must have made you proud. And uh, but I'm just a bit concerned that there's not a lot of security around uh, the former president if they let you in. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. I, I'd be more concerned if they let Rosette in. Right. <laughs> Well, look, let's get down to business, guys. There's okay. a lot going on. And I mean, I know you have a, you, you're a supporter of the president and all, but I, I'll tell you, there were some disturbing um, statements coming out. And I know he likes to kind of, you know, prick at people and get people upset sometimes just to get things stirring. But that to talk, to say you might abandon NATO or encourage Putin to, um, I mean, Rajat, what are your thoughts on that? that? That stirred people up a little bit, I think. Well, it's classic Trump. Um, he's the king of getting free media, free attention. Um, we all know he loves to make all types of comments, get everyone riled up, and then we see what's true and 
and what's not. Um, he's made comments like this in the past. Um, so it didn't really surprise me, surprise me much. Well, Jeffrey, do you, does he, does he mean that? I mean, I'll, but just to well, say I think it, what he means, I mean, this scary. is, this is, this is classic Trump in the sense that remember, this is the guy who wrote the art of the deal and negotiating. And I think his, his end point here is that all of these NATO allies need to pay their fair share and, and, you know, get their dues up to snuff and, and do all of that. So this is his way of prodding them. And I think to some, I think to some degree, it, it has worked. Um, but he, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I hear what you're saying, and I understand it, but some of that stuff to me ought to just be done behind the scenes. Like when I sit down with the prime minister or the president of Egypt or something, then I tell him, you know what, I might let him come through if you don't. Not necessarily, it, it's it, because you're not only speaking to the leaders, you're speaking to the people. The people, the very people don't understand and they get scared. I mean, honestly, I, I mean, I that's think my it, concern. I, I think his point is that when you do this publicly, uh, it puts pressure on them. And that that's what he intends to do is to put the pressure on them to to do more. Right. Uh, well, and, but that's why it's classic Trump. It, when you think about it, um, you know, history keeps rolling along here. NATO was created in 1949. I think I'm correct about that date. Um, we, the Cold War is over. And I, I certainly well remember as a member of the Reagan White House staff, the criticism that Ronald Reagan took for uh, all sorts of things he said uh, about the, the Cold War, you know, when asked uh, what his, uh, his answer was to his critics or, you know, how to deal with the Cold War. And he said, it's very simple. We win and they lose. Well, right. But, but Highly I'm controversial in the day. I think that hot war is going on right now, and they involve directly uh, Vladimir Putin and his threat to Europe and his threat to our allies. So, I, I, I mean, I just didn't think it was very wise. And I, but that's not, why it's classic Trump, because that's what he does. He bullies people to try to get what he wants. And I think this is just another example as to why he lost in 2020 and why a lot of independents have lost the Republican Party and have voted in Democrats over the past few years. Well, before because we, we get don't too want too that. comfortable, right, I hear, before we get too comfortable simply talking about Trump's uh, foibles, we, we got to talk about Biden, too, <laughs> because he, I mean, all of this hoopla over, is he really mentally fit and where things are, I mean, that also is, is causing us some uh, some anxiety as a nation, and, and I guess the world, if they think somebody's in the White House, that, and yet, and yet, Jeffrey, you had a guy in there that you loved who we had Alzheimer's may have been the beginning of that, right? Wasn't that the case with Ronald Reagan? Oh, that's what they tried to say, but I was there. He didn't you were have there. Alzheimer's, you know? You know that's I, what people I'm, are telling us now. They say, we're there with Biden. He's okay. But you're saying you were there with, with uh Well, the, the, the thing with, the thing with uh, President Biden is that, you, you know, in this day and age of television, not to mention social media, you can't escape. Uh, I, for, for, for those in the audience who may not remember the tale of Woodrow Wilson, he goes over in 1919 to negotiate the, uh, the Treaty of Versailles that ended World War I, and he was very much in favor of his idea of a League of Nations. He, right. got it through, he got it through the Treaty of Versailles, but then he had to come back and the U.S. Senate and all that sort of thing. So Wilson gets the idea to get on a train and do a cross-country trip giving speeches and campaigning for the league. He gets to, as I recall, somewhere outside Boulder, Colorado, 
He's not feeling well. It's nighttime. They stop the train, walk him around in a farmer's field, then put him back on the train. They're outside Kansas City the next morning, and he gets up to get dressed to give a speech. And his wife, who was with him, takes one look at him and says, you're not doing it. Can't do it. it. Yep, yep. We're, we're, so they put out a statement saying he was suffering from exhaustion. They turn the train around, go back to Washington. Two days later, she finds him on the bathroom floor. He had a stroke. Yeah, yeah. So they more or less seal him off, his wife, his doctor, and his chief of staff. And they don't tell the public what's going on. And so history records what happened. Mrs. Wilson <laughs> ran the ran the government. And and my my question is, what's really going on? And frankly, I don't think we're gonna find out what's really going on in the Biden White House here. Well, Biden is appearing before the camera. It's just that as many uh, presidents do, you flub here and there. As many people do, you flub. But, 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 Bergette, let's talk a little bit more. He says Scott Perry was uh, in the room with him when he went to meet uh, the president, the former president. Uh, and we've got some Democrats lining up. But I think there's some news on that front, right? How many candidates are going to be competing in this election against Perry? We have six Democratic candidates who uh, made the ballot to run against Scott Perry. All right. And Scott Perry even has a Republican challenger, so he has a primary himself, let alone whoever wins the Democratic side. Right, right. So does that make it easier, you think, for, for you guys to kind of navigate with only six instead of eight? Well, it's going to spend a lot of resources on the primary. Um, so who hopefully whoever prevails will still have resources um, for the fall. Um, I do know that as a party, we're definitely going to unite, and I expect resources to come from the national level to help whoever wins the primary. Ah, yes, because this is an important, as we know, this is an important battleground state for not only the presidency, but for, you know, for the for, for the Senate and the House, right? I mean, we're- Right, because this know. could help the Democrats uh, get control of the House again. So winning this seat would be very important. But real quick on the previous issues the two of you yeah. were talking about, you know, if we want to talk about state of mind, we can also talk about, you know, Donald Trump's state of mind, mm -hmm. um, not only because of his actions and things he says, but don't forget, he's only two, three years younger than President Biden. So, you know, if the Republicans really was worried about age. I think Nikki Haley would be doing a lot, <laughs> a lot better right now. Um, I did see she made the ballot for Pennsylvania and our primary is until April 23rd. So she does intend to go the whole way out. Um, but but we want to talk about age. Let's 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 talk about both of them, and what that entails. Not well, just yeah, and 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 honestly, everybody flubs here and there. I mean that that's the truth. I mean even even President former President Trump confused Pelosi with Haley. So it's like you. I mean it's a legitimate issue. I'm not yeah. going to say it's not a legitimate issue. No, it, it is. It is for but, everyone. But, but I think I, too, with age doesn't just come experience in years, it also brings wisdom and also brings life experience. I personally think that uh, the president should joke about his age. That might even help him connect with uh, younger younger voters. That's what I love about comedians. They're able to poke fun at themselves and kind of laugh. Um, Jeffrey is right. You can't hide. Sooner or later, you out there, it's going to come out whatever you are, right? On and, either and, side. The, and the other thing, Joyce, is Every single human being on earth is physically unique and yep. they age differently. That's and right. I am sure we have all met people in their 80s and their 90s who are sharp as a tack. And we've met people in their 50s who are less than stellar. Um, 
I mean, that's just stuff that's beyond anybody's control. Joe Biden's, Donald Trump's, yours, mine, Rogette's, uh, et cetera. And we just have to, uh, you know, as somebody was saying to me today, I had a uh, dinner date that had to be canceled with uh, the wife of uh, the late Gil Parthamore, who runs the funeral home. The snow and all this and getting out and all this kind of thing. And she, in essence, said to me, boy, this old age stuff. <laughs> It's, it's tough. Not cracked up. <laughs> and, and, and it is. Right. No, I hear you. And you're right. It's unique. It's it's. But but the truth is, um, we will know because sooner or later, both men have to come forward and speak. And the and right. and then we will judge for ourselves who's who's what. Um, and it is not age, but it's aptitude and your ability and your energy and what you bring to the table. So, but let, let's let's move on because another issue that's still out there that we're dealing with is. The wars, what's going on in Ukraine, what's going on in the Middle East. And, and you know, it, this Biden seems to be having uh, some, what do you call it, some gaps in how he views all of this with Netanyahu, with the prime minister of Israel. So, I mean, what are your thoughts? And what are you hearing, Rajette, about how Biden might be moving to kind of change some of his um, staunch policies standing with Israel? Um, I haven't heard anything about the president changing his support for uh, Israel. Um, I do know that there was working on an agreement as far as getting aid and obviously trying to support a ceasefire um, to help the Palestinians as well. Um, because as we know, there's been deaths on, on both sides, but the president has always been strong with Israel. I have not heard any change with that whatsoever. Um, I have heard though that the deal that he was working with the Congress has fallen through. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, Je Jeffrey, I when, mean, has, has former President Trump spoken on this at all? Uh, I don't know if he has lately, but he, he is most assuredly very pro-Israel. And, you know, I think they have a a building or an orchard or, or a road or something named for him over there. But, you know, one of the things that I think Democrats, that, that President Biden has to cope with, there is a chunk of the Democratic constituency that is very anti-Israel and very pro Arab, if you will, et cetera. And politically speaking, when you go down to, when you go to Michigan, uh, there are chunks of Michigan. This is why I think you see members of the so-called squad who are very uh, anti-Israel. It's because their constituents are, some of them are from these Arab countries. Absolutely, and, yeah. uh, you know, Well, they so, have relatives, their families there. They have people exactly. down there that, you know, I mean. So I just think it's a, it's a political problem for President Biden, and I have no idea how he's going to handle it. But uh, you know, that's the way I would like going. to change the terminology, though. It's not being against Israel. We do have a section in the Democrat Party, particularly our younger voters. I know the debate that I organized with our congressional candidates. We have three hundred plus people there um, when I hosted that, and we had a large Palestinian uh, group there. And what they're concerned about is that there's deaths on their side as well that they feel as though is being forgotten. So, you know, I, I don't want to use the word anti-Israel. Um, everyone believes Israel has a right to defend themselves. But yes, there is a section of this country that believes that the deaths that are being experienced on the other sides deserve sympathy and help as, as well. well. So I understand that they're... 
it's all over the world. I mean, yes. people, I, I heard, I, you know, I'm from New Orleans. I heard that <laughs> the Mardi Gras uh, parades were, were basically standing with trying to bring attention to the Palestinians. And, and really? the, wow. yeah, yeah, that's what I've heard today. So I'm going to check into that. So it's a, I, it's a global thing. Nobody likes to see innocent people suffer. That's right. And I think it's that's just, where we need to focus that all lives matter. And for some people, it seems as though that all lives don't matter as much as others. I think that's where the focus is. No one is saying that Israel doesn't have the right to defend themselves. No one's saying they don't support Israel, but it's that fact that their lives, the innocent on the other side, lives matter just as much. Yeah. Um, so that's the point that they're they're trying to they're trying to make. And I do I do think this is going to become more and more of an issue in the in the campaign um, on on for both sides to basically come out and say what what they want because we're, we're just hearing that this is becoming an issue but let, let's also talk a little bit about let's get closer to pennsylvania we let's talk about the governor and his budget and i, I i'd like it just to get a little bit um more insight Rajet, he he laid out some wonderful things in in that in that budget um, and there's apparently money to cover what he's laid out because there are going to be billions left over. So where are things standing now with regard to supporting some of these things? I'm particularly concerned about supporting those families that have that have people who really need round the clock care and their inability to get what they call direct support professionals in to help them because they can't pay them enough. The, the rates are too low. But what are you hearing about the opposition? Is that to, to the governor's budget? Well, you know, the House is, the Democrats only have the majority by one vote. One it's vote. 100 to 101. Um, there's special elections. We have one going on today in Bucks County. Um, Bucks County is purple and can go either way. So there's a lot of politics, too, as far as um, what happens with the governor's uh, budget. Unfortunately, we are in a time now where working together makes it look like a win for the president when in re I mean for the governor when in reality it's a windfall of Pennsylvania not just for the governor and the Democrat party but unfortunately that's not how we think so the makeup of that race today and of course this year's elections will will say a lot as far as that budget getting passed in uh in June. And then don't forget, um, and I did check, we are, Pennsylvania is the only state with a divided legislature. Ah, so okay. we are the only state with divided legislature. So the Republicans still have the um, the Senate, regardless of what happens with this special election. So I do think that there are going to be obstacles to the, uh, to the governor's budget, even though he has found other revenue sources to fund a lot of the programs that he wants to do. Well, it, it just goes to show you that we have local issues and we're national issues that, that voters are going to have to pay attention to as well. Now, Jeffrey, I, I wanted to talk to you too a little bit more about, as you're looking out at some of the, all of the court battles that are claiming the former president's time, I mean, what are your thoughts on how he's gonna manage all of this? I mean, he's got a campaign that's gonna be pretty intense, right? But he's got all of these legal issues and appearances in court. Now he's referred something else to the Supreme Court. How is that possible? Yeah, that he I mean, manage it? <laughs> it, it requires immense amounts of time. There's no question about that. The thing that I find curious in all of this, I mean, because this is all unprecedented. 
And you would think on the surface that for him to have these legal problems, his polls would tank. And point of fact, <laughs> and it's now no, because the joke from Frontman, every time he's indicted, his polls go up. And he jokes, you know, that he hopes he gets a few more here before the election because his polls will be out of sight. Uh, I really don't know what to, I do know what to make of it. I mean, my personal view is that this is the American political legal establishment not dealing well with an outsider. And, uh, you know, in terms of the things he promises to do, you know, just in Washington with the bureaucracy to uh, set up term limits for all the career employees and things like that, that's a real threat. Well, it's a real threat also in, in a bad way, because sometimes you lose a lot of expertise and you so, lose, I mean, so that, things, that's, I'm, that's, I'm yeah. just saying it's things like that, that have uh, stirred yeah. the hornet's nest here. And uh, we will see how this, how this plays itself out. And, and you know, every presidential cycle, uh, it's sort of a top down situation. It, it affects, you know, governors and senators and all of this. I remember back to 1980, state Republican parties around the country were having problems getting their A-list candidates for the U.S. Senate. So they wound up picking their B or C-list candidates. Mm. Reagan landslide arrived, and all of a sudden, these people woke up in the morning, and they were U.S. senators. Uh, was, <laughs> and, and the first time since 1954, I think Republicans <laughs> had control of the Senate. Are you, so, are you saying that's going to happen this time? Is that what you're I, I, thinking? I don't <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm just saying that the race at the top affects the races all the way down the scale. It affects the state legislators. Oh, yeah. But I think that's what Rajet is saying that she's seen. Well, you go ahead. I won't I won't talk for you, Rajet. What do you say? <laughs> um, I do think that Trump is trying to package himself as a victim. And I will admit that he has his base and they are strongly behind oh, yeah. him. I could definitely cannot deny that. But if you want to look at the polls, the polls also show that he loses to President Biden. But other uh, Republican candidates, including Nikki Haley, um, has actually is ahead of President Biden, or at least closer to. So again, the question for me for him is, can he expand that base? You can't win with just with just a base. He's going to have to at least be able to bring in some independence. And he's not... He hasn't been able to do that uh, for years, even with candidates that he endorses. They haven't been running over the past two, three years. So can he, you know, can he expand on that? You know, I hear what you guys are saying about the polls, and but I'm going to tell you, I'm I don't put a whole lot of credence in the polls anymore after because Joyce, there may be one thing that, so, you know, that we agree on. That I, 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 guess, I, I just think you know. But you can't forward. use the polls when they go your way. Exactly. And then no. use them when they don't. Exactly. You, you, can, you just got to doubt them all. They're a fact yeah. of life out there, and, and you have to uh, deal with it. But I, I just, you know, I think in truth that one of Donald Trump's biggest assets is Joe Biden. Uh, <laughs> he, he is uh, on two levels. The policy level, I mean, what people are paying for gas and eggs and all that kind of thing. But also this you know, incredible situation with his uh, mental and physical capabilities. And he's going to be in the glare all the way through to Election Day. And uh, I'll just take a, a wild guess here 
that tomorrow can be different than today and two weeks can be different from tomorrow and all that kind of thing. And it's unpredictable. We have absolutely nobody has absolutely we have nobody. Any idea. But, but remember, the point that we're making is both of them are pretty much about the same age with the same vulnerabilities. So we're going to be watching both of those. And we've heard the polls, if you believe them, are saying that a lot of people think both of them are too old for, for the group. The energy level, though, is pretty unique. Yeah, but the other well, thing that, I mean, if we're going by age, we'll be getting rid of pretty much the whole Congress and especially the Senate. Wow. Yeah. I mean, well, there might be a reason for that. I might. Well, not to, gonna, not to put really too like in the age. Not to, put too, might, not to put too fine a point on it, but uh, some of us do remember the slogan from our youth never trust anyone over 25. <laughs> <laughs> What, in which case, the three of us are over. <laughs> there you go. But I, I will say that the one point that we can discuss before we, have, we wrap this up, and that is I am still baffled because it just would make sense that the Republican Party would say, you know what? Almost anybody we put up against Joe Biden would win. <laughs> right? We would... But we're not doing that. We're not taking the surefire bet of a Nikki Haley or somebody that would go up and then they could really ram it home. He's too old. He's too old. Look at our young lady. Look. But they're not doing this. This is, to me, this is baffling. Why won't they take the sure shot of winning? Well, I think that I think that there are some Republicans on the Trump side that see it's not a sure side of winning for Nikki Haley or anybody else, that Donald Trump is sui generis here in all of this, uh, when, you know, you're in the farm show arena and there's 10,000 people going crazy uh, in the middle of Pennsylvania, uh, there, there's a message there. Um, and, and I, you know, nobody knows exactly how things uh, will work out. I, you know, you know me into political history. And when Senator John F. Kennedy was the Democratic nominee he he began people began to catch on to the whole JFK thing and the youth mm -hmm. and all of this sort of stuff. And he would get swarmed at these rallies. They'd parade him in an open car yeah. through the streets of Chicago or whatever. And on election night, it said that when he lost Ohio, he, he was standing in front of his colleagues there, Brother Bobby, et cetera, held up his hand, which was all scarred and clawed and red. And he said, Ohio did that to me. Oh my God! Meaning, <laughs> meaning they were going berserk, and yet I lost. And yet Ohio. he lost. But they were. Well, that's another point. They could be screaming for you, yeah, yeah, and they not voting for you. So, Rajette, you have the last word on this. <laughs> you know, this is Donald Trump's Republican Party. He controls the party. I mean, the RNC chair just stepped down, um, and he's going to be putting, you know, his person in there. I mean, this is Donald Trump's. Um, Republican Party. And we'll have to see how long the Republican Party as a whole allows allows it to stay that way. Well, we have a lot, as you well know, that that is coming at us. That's going to be ahead. We have a long way to go before those elections in November. And the truth is, as you said, anything could happen between now and then, including to the candidates that are that are that are now. And I will say, I will say, Joyce, Rochette is is on to something there. And I would just say this is the way of the world of the American presidential system. Mm. When Barack Obama was riding high, the Democratic Party was the party of Obama. Ditto JFK all those years ago. Ditto the party of Ronald Reagan when he was there. 
when one particular party has the White House and their president is 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 powerful or or loved or hated or what have you, that party for that period of time does become the party of fill in the blank. So it's Donald Trump's turn at this point. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And none of and Republicans who normally are very much uh, hawkish on self on defense, national security. They don't. There's not any squeamishness about the NATO stuff. Oh, I think that they they believe that Trump believes in peace through strength. Ah. And, uh, they don't you know, mind those that kind of work that kind of rhetoric out there. They don't mind. No, because they know that at bottom, the message he sends to leaders is: if you fool around, big trouble. As as witness, uh, what was his name? Uh, the Iranian uh, Revolutionary Guard general, who found himself on the receiving end of a drone attack. Uh, that Trump doesn't mince words, and 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 he means what he says. Trump himself talks about the. But, the, but Jeffrey, that's why I'm worried that he means to encourage Putin to invade Europe. That I don't want him to mean that. Oh, <laughs> I really no, don't. I don't think. I, he, I think. To, I think to the right. contrary, Putin is saying he doesn't want to do it if Trump is president. He didn't do it when Trump was president. He he waited till Biden was president, then he invaded Ukraine. Uh, mm -hmm. because he perceives weakness but he had to prepare before biden yeah this is just this is just frankly human nature and the lessons of of history here you know i don't care whether it's our era or the 1930s or good lord the roman empire if if uh people perceive weakness they're going to attack if people perceive weakness they're going to attack and they obviously perceived it with uh Ukraine. I mean, uh, he must have yes. thought this was the time to do it. Well, we're going to have to hold it there. There's a lot more that we're going to be watching in these coming weeks. So I really appreciate your being here with us. And I look forward to seeing you next week on another Battleground PA. Bye-bye, everyone. See you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Bye, -bye.